internet. My name is Matthew Kroll. And you're tearing me apart, Matt. No, it's the wrong it's the wrong room, Shahir. That's Shahir Dowd over there quoting, oh, quoting The Room when this is the <laughs> only podcast about the movie Room. Oh, shit. Did you watch the <laughs> wrong film? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I watched The Room, of course, with Brie Larson. I know what I'm talking about, but I still love The Room. Can, we, mean, do it? Can we do an episode about The Room? We should do it live, and we should do it in the theater. Is oh, my God, it's so much fun. But no, this is the only podcast about uh, the film Room. Uh, yes, with Brie Larson. And wh- uh, what's the kid's name, uh, the actor? Jerry Trump. Uh, uh, it's... He, the kid who should have been nominated for an Oscar, but wasn't. Right, yes. Jacob Tremblay. Yeah, he, he 100% uh, this kid should have been nominated for an Oscar. He's pretty amazing in this movie. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, this this is a, a film we were turned on to uh, by, well, uh, my girlfriend Robin told me about it as well, but also the 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 wonderful friend of the show and brother from another mother, Stephen Buja of Same Night Movie Review fame, uh, turned us on to this, right, Shere? Yeah, he wrote us in. I'm going to read out his email because um, it's it's... It's interesting. This this email is specifically directed at me, uh, and you'll hear why. So Steve says, hey, guys, just listening to the year in review of the year in reviews. Shahir, you had mentioned uh, movies you had not seen but wanted to, and chief among that list is Room. It's an incredible film and one that I'm particularly interested in hearing your opinion on it as it deals primarily with the themes of child raising and parenting. I can only look at it through a particular lens, that of a non-parent, and it still hit me like a ton of bricks. Looking forward to hearing your take on it. Keep on keeping on. Steve, P.S. Dear Shahir, stop being a dick. Thanks, Steve. Yeah. Much appreciated. Yeah. That last uh, part. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Matt really enjoyed that last part. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, Room is a film adaptation of a book by Emma Donahue, written by Emma Donahue. Um, and the... Um, The IMDb synopsis is, after a five-year-old Jack and his mother escape from the enclosed surroundings that Jack has known his entire life, the boy makes a thrilling discovery. Uh, Which is... I mean, that's an interesting perspective, sure. um, If you've read the book, you know what the story is about. And here's one of the annoying things. If you've watched the trailer... You know what the whole film is. I'm I'm a, a strong advocate for not watching trailers anymore, uh, and watching the room uh, watching rooms trailer is a really good case study for not uh, because the surprises in the film are kind of given away well, by the trailer. Well, here's the thing. I, this is something. So uh, I, I, we're gonna kind of get into spoilers early on this. I think only because <laughs> the the things that I truly like about the film can't be talked about without sort of spoilery territory. So <laughs> is there? I, is I'll touch on what you just said after that fact. Is there anything you want to say before we actually do that? Like, I don't okay. want to ruin stuff. Okay, so general impressions for people who just want a quick impression of the movie. Yes, it's uh, phenomenal. Uh, it's uh, very beautifully made. The, the, the thing that I love uh, particularly about this film is that it is... A very small scale film, yes. like it's like you know, like literally sit in a room and a couple of other rooms mm-hmm. later on. Um, but it never feels like uh like it's limited by that, and it never feels like it was intentionally low budget or of anything course. like that. It feels like this is the story they wanted to tell, which is sit in these few rooms. So it feels limited by design. Right. Um and it's a film which starts one way and then blossoms into something else uh, entirely. Mm -hmm. And it's held together by pretty amazing writing from Emma Donahue, um, who's adapting her own novel. Um, I haven't read the novel, but from what I've heard, the film, it does a 
better job of communicating sure. the themes of the novel. And uh, Lenny, the you know Lenny uh, Lenny Abramson, who was just nominated for best director for this film, does a phenomenal job of showing you the world from a child's perspective. Um, in a really beautiful way. And, and this, uh, you know, like, and this is part and parcel with the performance of this child, Jacob Tremblay, uh, which has is, he done anything before this or is this just his first foray into greatness? No, he has done things like the, Sim, uh, the Smurfs movie Gord's brother. I mean, he's actually slightly older than the role, uh, required. He's a nine-year-old and the boy in the film is required to oh, be then a fuck it. No Oscar for you. Well, it does. Cause, cause you do watch it. He does look like a five-year-old and you kind of think of him as a five-year-old and, fun and fact, he's such an amazing performance. Fun fact. I can't tell children's ages. No, I, I yeah, you're right. I, I, and the only reason I can slightly is that I've just had a young boy. Um, so, but then again, th that means uh, the only ages I can tell are like three months versus one month. So sure. Of course. <laughs> um, I I think this is um, a phenomenal film. And it, here's one thing I would say. If you've seen The Lovely Bones and you've read The Lovely Bones, The Lovely Bones as a film is terrible. Uh, and that's hard for me to say, be, be, being a New Zealand, you know, patriot. Uh, and Oh, my God. Is this a New Zealand film that you <laughs> you don't like? Uh, yeah. I mean, the <laughs> Peter Jackson, uh, you know, for all his greatness, just completely misfires with The Lovely Bones. And, the re wow. and, and I've read the book, The Lovely Bones, and The Lovely Bones as a book was supposed to be a film like this. This is a film about human drama and that's not what the lovely bones was. I feel like I should have introduced you as the the synth who is wearing Shahir's skin <laughs> yeah. at this point. Oh, well, you know, there are New Zealand films I don't like. Um, but you know, the thing about the lovely bones is it should have been a small intimate film about a family and it wasn't. And room is entirely a small intimate film about a family yep. and it's every moment is thrilling and it has a scene in it, which we're going to get into in spoilers that had me on the edge of my seat. Um, and it, I, I can't think of another film this year that did that. Um, Matt, what did you think of the film? I thought it was a phenomenal, uh, time at the movies. I thought the, 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 the story for reasons I'll get into more, uh, more later, but, but really built into something that was, uh, special in the headspace that this movie tries to film, uh, uh fill a lot of, a lot of movies like this. Uh, I tend to think get too caught up in in various aspects I find less interesting, and this one took the road less traveled, and in this case more interesting for me, just with the 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 subject matter that the film wants to tackle and that feels is important. Um, it also uh, is a phenomenal sort of look at the idea of childhood and and how I guess malleable or or um or subjective you can get with uh an entity that is building itself to a standard human intellect that has no point of <laughs> reference whatsoever yeah. uh and it and it it's uh it's 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 a sometimes an emotional kick to the nuts and it has a lot of punch to it in various places that range from pure sort of adrenaline oh my god what's going to happen next to sort of that feeling that you got when you find out you when you found out that again this might be a minor spoiler for anybody but that Santa Claus doesn't exist <laughs> um it's 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 
it, it just felt it, it it made you feel a lot of things that I remember from childhood over again. And it and it and it does so in a very um uh clean and well done sort of way. So I mean I would obviously say to go see it. I don't I don't think there's I I can see my my action movie popcorn brethren <laughs> sort of watching this and being like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah. I, I, I can see that. Uh, but but if, it's not it's not that kind of movie in no, any way shape no, or no, form. No, 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 no. So, yeah. but so like that's it's it's if you like movies and and you're a human being as opposed mm-hmm. to a caricature, which I've sort of just described, you'll like this movie. It's if, a good movie. If I'd seen this, if, if I think if we'd seen this in our top, you know, uh, last year, uh, it probably would have made our top tens, right? I mean, it certainly would have made my top ten. I'd have to go. I mean, I I think lower top tens for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think it does a lot of great stuff, uh, and it does it well. Um, and it, it it's one of those things that stuck with you after you watched it. There's no yeah. question. Uh, but I don't know. I, I'd have to I'd have to think about that further. Um, Steve, I since you gave me the assignment of watching this movie, I'm going to give you one assignment back, which I'd love to hear your thoughts on. If you loved this movie, uh, Room, and for anyone who like who watches Room um, and really enjoys it, there's a Japanese film that I loved. Uh, I watched it once. I remember watching it in a double hitter with. Uh, V for Vendetta. Uh, I watched V for Vendetta and then this film, Nobody Knows, directed by uh, Hirokazu Korida. And Nobody Knows, I forgot about V for Vendetta immediately, and Nobody Knows is a film I've watched three or four times since. Uh, and it, it, it deals with similar themes um, uh, and a similar story to Room, um, so you kind of know what you're getting at. But it does this, um, you know, it does that amazing thing, which is that it has child actors playing children who feel like genuine children. There's this problem with movies, which is that when you put move, you know, kids in movies, it tends to feel like adults writing kids in movies. Sure. Room, I think does a pretty amazing, well, the room might have some problems in terms of it, like gives you like the perfect child in some respect. Uh, I think it gives you a pretty standard child. I don't know. He seems kind of like, I, Shivali and I, my wife and I watched this movie and we said, if our kid turns out that well adjusted, we'll be happy. And, and our kid didn't have to go through the trauma of, of, of what this kid has to well, go through. The fun fact <laughs> about this is, uh, and now we're getting into spoiler territory. I'll say one thing before we get it. The kid himself doesn't really go through any trauma until a turning point in the movie. And then it's all sort of culture shock. It's there's no, but honestly, he doesn't, he doesn't understand anything that's happening. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. It, so there's, it, it's not like he had constant trauma throughout his life. Yeah, it it does. You know, like okay. So before we move on, Steve, um, please watch. Nobody knows, which I think is still available on Netflix. Uh, if it's not, um, watch it. And if you aren't satisfied, I will pay for your rental. Um, it's, wow, that's a guarantee. Yeah, it's a phenomenal film. Um, you know, on the point that you're talking about, uh, um, there is a thing. Yeah, look, I I kind of. I, I loved this kid and I was kind of like, you know, like it had that real paternal thing where I just, you know, like I was, I wanted this kid to make it through this movie in any way, shape or form, you know, and I was so attached to him. And I think my wife was as well, but at the same time, he kind of felt like the perfect kid, you know, like he, he, he really, he really I disagree, but well, okay, we'll get into that. But, but to your point, there's another film, uh, dog tooth. Um, I, I'm not sure which country it came from. I think, I feel like it's Greek, New Zealand, (laughs) um, which is about a similar thing, which is where parents teach their kids the wrong lesson. So they don't realize they're being traumatized. Like they don't realize that the, 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 
the the harm that's being done to them is psychological harm and they don't know it because they don't know anything else. Right. And I think that's what's happening in this film as well, which is that the harm that is being done to this kid is completely psychological, but he has no conception of how bad that harm is because he has no reference point. But then there's the point, actually, honestly, then mm. is it harm until a moment? Uh, but do you know, uh, I mean, no. it's completely 100% harm. Well, it, it, it's dependent. <laughs> well, let's get into it. Let's sort of go, let's go. Uh, Can we get into spoilers? Yeah, at this so spoiler territory, three, two, one. So what happens in this movie, just to break it down, because then we, I want to talk about how the movie handles the tropes as opposed to sort of, because I could give you the whole synopsis of sort of what happens very, very quickly. Mm. Uh, Brie Larson's character, uh, is a woman who has been kidnapped by a man called, the only name we get is from him, is Old Nick. Yeah. And Old Nick has locked Brie Larson for the past seven years in a shed uh, in an unknown location until you find out later, and basically has been just holding her there against her will and raping her uh, consistently mm. uh, for the past seven years, which in over the past, uh, the first two years, uh, ends with the birth of a child who she has in this one room. She never <laughs> leaves this room. Um and she ends up, uh, you know, carrying through the child and raising the child and whatnot. And the uh, movie begins. Begins when he turns five. five yeah. Uh, so all this kid has known in his entire life is this one room. Now, I think what what the story does to this point, and it makes it sort of very clear in the beginning. And I liked how they didn't exactly set up that it was a kidnapping at first. Like you do, I didn't watch the trailer for this, yeah. so I didn't know. Um, so but, how was that when you like? Did you? I figured it was a kidnapping. It yeah. looked like a kidnapping. It had a skylight and 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 sound foam on the ceiling when yeah. she looked up at it, and it looked sort of dingy and whatever. But I thought, I'm like, wow, this could be a fallout shelter. Yeah. This could be something else. Uh, this could be the new Cloverfield movie. Yeah. Um, but the uh, and then, you know, it comes to terms that you realize that it's actually a kidnapping and that this little kid is, is all he's known. And I think Brie Larson's character and I think a reason why she's nominated, and I think rightfully so, uh, is that she uh, basically in order to keep the kid as sane as possible, has basically fed him throughout growing up to keep him psychologically OK a bunch of lies about how the world works, what the world is. The kid believes that room, he, he just calls it room, is the only place on earth that, that there's, there's room. And then he says there's space. Mm -hmm. Like if you see yeah. out the skylight, the yeah. one outside thing to the world. Uh, and you see they have a TV in there and they say that the TV are like flat people and not real, but mm -hmm. like him and his mom are real and old Nick is real. Yeah. And that's the world to him. And yes, Obviously, Shahir, when we were talking about before, like this, this on a conceptual level, living in the world we live in is totally damaging to a child. It's psychological but, abuse, but it's not not from her. Right. She's the one that's that's basically staving it back. She's keeping it at bay. And the thing that I was brought to this entire time uh, before we get to the second half of the film was the allegory of the cave. Are you familiar with that? It's a it's a Plato it's a Plato okay. allegory. Yeah. Where and I'm gonna butcher the fuck out of this, <laughs> but it's basically okay. What if there was a race of men who have only who have been chained to the wall of a cave their entire life, and they yeah. only see one area of light far away that is the shadows of other people walking? Mm -hmm. They would just think that they have to face forward. That's existence. Other things that exist, even they themselves, if they couldn't see themselves, would probably think they're one of these shadows. The world is all shadows. And then you let these people out of that scenario. And holy fuck. And there's this sort of an, an allegory of like the reason he sort of does that is like uh, human perception versus how the universe actually works. Right. That's yeah. the allegory. Of yeah. The and, that, and that's the, the, the way that dog tooth works, which is about this family where um, they basically get told like the 
complete opposite of things. Like a uh, a VHS tape is called the sky, and a, a dog is called a bear, and they they kind of do the and and the psychological like warfare takes on slightly different shapes when their when their human relationships go slightly askew. Sure, and and I think you know, but but. But is it abuse in this film? Not from Brie Larson's basically using this as a as as a safety net for the kid to like explain why they don't go outside, um, and so it's not psychological torture uh, abuse from her. But obviously, the scenario in which he's in is oh, of course, is because, abuse because yeah. the goal is to eventually get out. Which spoiler mm-hmm. they do. Uh, uh, in, it, yeah, it, we'll get through sort of that. But like, I think. It will get to that moment, I think. Uh, well, actually, we could talk about that now. So this happens, um, and so you're kind of the the kid has a bunch of really wonderful narration of him sort of explaining how the world works in yeah, his head. how the room works, yeah, yeah, um, yeah how room works. That's it, and uh, and there's some horrific things that happen, but again, it's from his perspective, and you don't quite know they're horrific. Like he sleeps in a cupboard, yeah, and, and as old Nick visits, as old Nick visits and basically rapes his mom, but like she doesn't put up a fight anymore to try to make it so that the baby is not, or the baby, the five-year-old is not traumatized. Yeah. Uh, and the kid has a couple little ticks. Like he does, you said he's like the perfect child. He does flip out from time to time as kids do. As kids do. But you know, and then obviously there's, uh, I'm going to jump ahead just slightly when he, when he eventually uh, breaks free from the room, he's completely incapacitated with oh, dealing yeah. with the wor- with the world as we know it. He doesn't know how to cope with and in fact he wants to go back to the room. Yeah, yeah. So um, so uh eventually they figure out this plan. Basically his mom at one point because he turns 5 and now she's trying to figure out how to get out of there and she figures that now it's time to do it because he needs help tries to come up with this plan to get them out and she she tries to explain to the kid that uh his name is Jack, I believe. Yeah, Jack. Uh, she tries to explain to Jack how the world actually works, and obviously there's a lot of backlash to that because, because he doesn't. This is just this kind, is it. Well, it's also like breaking the safety net of the world that he knows. You know, like sure. everything outside of him and his mother is, you know, like incompatible with his worldview at this point. Right. Uh, so, so, um, they come up with this plan where he's going to act sick one time, and then when old Nick doesn't bring him to the ER, that's how they were going to try to do it first. She like writes him a note and all this other stuff. Uh, that she's going to wrap him in a after the next day when old Nick says he'll come back with antibiotics because he won't bring her to the yeah. hospital because that would fuck up his whole rape plan. Yeah. Uh, he they, uh, he says that she Brie Larson says that Jack died in the night because the reason he got a fever was because she went basically the entire time in there whenever old Nick tries to interact with Jack she that's the only time that Brie Larson gets violent or or mm. fights back. Mm. Old Nick, sorry, Old Nick is his name, not Old Jack. Yeah. Um. And I think uh, Robin actually pointed that out, and she thought that that was that that the portrayal of how Old Nick dealt with the kid wasn't realistic. I I actually mm. thought it was because Old Nick's interaction with the kid, he kind of acts like he kind of wants to interact with the kid, but then Brie Larson's character just is like, no, absolutely not, and she basically kind of uses her defiance. I mean, obviously, she can only defy him so far. She's been locked up for seven years, but she can use the defiance being like, look, this won't be pleasant for either of us if you start dealing with this kid like this kid is mine. Let me deal with them. So then when it comes time for this plan where she pretends that the kid died in the night due to her, basically, old Nick freaks out at one point and cuts the power for them for one night in winter and it gets really cold. Then she lies and says the kid got sick. And then when he doesn't bring bring him to the hospital. She basically p- makes this plan and practices practices this plan with her son to get rolled up in a carpet and stay stiff and act like he's dead 
so that oh, then old Nick will have to go somewhere to bury him in his truck and then uh, and then escape along the way and find anyone he can find and give them this note and say, my mom is stuck da, 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 here. Uh, and that happens. And that's one of the most tense moments in cinema I think I've seen in a very long time. Yeah, I don't I don't know about you, but uh, but I was just I, I you know, my heart was beating so fast during that yeah. scene. And I was like. I was I was just wondering how is he going to get out of the scenario? I hope he, you know like I just want him to make it. And to me, it's a really good example of setting the stakes. Mm-hmm. Like we haven't ex- we don't know how dangerous old Nick is, but we know he's dangerous. But we, and and the other thing is we know how fragile Jack is. Yep. And so we know and and like Brie Larson's character um uh, the ma-, ma has like laid out this plan. So we, we know exactly how the plan is supposed to work. And it was just, we, when we know exactly what the stakes are, it just, it, it does so much. And it's, it's amazing because the stakes are so real as yeah. well. You know, like the scenario is so real. And I think one of the most amazing things about this film is how it takes such a, such a charged scenario, you know, like a woman who's been kidnapped for seven years and plays it from a child's point of view mm-hmm. and plays it. The, the thing that I am sort of most impressed by this film is how it really is more interested in the victims of a crime than it is the actual crime itself. Yes. So let's talk about that because so eventually uh, he jumps out of the truck. He gets to a person. There's a whole thing. It looks it's very tense. And finally, old Nick runs away and the cops come and deal with it. And eventually through some very clever, very quick detective work find where Brie Larson's being held uh, and they rescue her as well and then yeah. Brie moves to the second half of the movie which is arguably um, you know it's just as interesting I a hundred percent loved that this movie was not about catching old Nick. No, it, it beca- he becomes incidental to the film. They mention it once, how they mm. they they think they got him and it mm. might go to trial, yeah. but it never becomes this sort of societal thing we've all done with the making of murderers and the fucking serials where it's like, and those have their place, but yeah. this is not a movie about that. And if you're looking for it in this movie, you will not get it. You'll find things much, much better. Uh, this is a movie about the, about people trapped one his entire life and another one for seven years in a horrible condition, made the best of it, and now they're back in the world. And it's the equivalent, especially when the kid's going on his mission to escape, it's the equivalent of being torn out of reality. It's the equivalent of going into space when you don't know anything about space. Yeah. Like, you just, it's this total alien landscape and... And then it's all of the social and family interaction afterward. Like the her Brie Larson's character's parents come, uh, and it's all different. Like the mother's remarried, and the father has his own issues. Um, and it's just the and and then you keep getting these these uh, narrative dial uh, monologues uh, told as uh, from Jack as the narrator um, as how he sort of sees the world working. Yeah, and it's it's. It does an amazing thing, which is, you know, uh, so I mentioned the Lovely Bones earlier on, but it does this amazing thing, which is that it is about this family trying to regather itself after this horrible tragedy that has, you know, befallen them. And, you know, like, I love me some crime movies, and I love me some some serial killer movies and, you know, films about psychologically uh, damaged people committing crimes. And we have a bunch of them. We have a bunch of them. You know, like the, the, the thing that I think is interesting is this film is basically prisoners from last year, but told from the point of view of the kids who have been kidnapped. Um, if anyone saw prisoners, this is basically the, uh, you know, 
not looking at the psychological makeup of the person who did it, but rather what happens to the people after they've been, you know, freed. Um, so this is why I kind of, I feel like this is the film that The Lovely Bone should have been. And, you know, like, there's a couple of reviews which have, which have criticized the movie. Um, I'm thinking, I'm looking at uh, Mahola, uh, I can never pronounce her name correctly, but uh, Man- Manola Dargis's review for um, the New York Times, um, you know, very, very well established. What did she group. say? She basically says um, that the film is phenomenal. It's great. It's a really amazing portrayal, but that the, Problem is, is that the first half of the film really delves into the psychology of this kid, and the second half of the film becomes therapy for the family, and with a not not a lot of narrative push. And I can kind of agree with that. I kind of somewhat felt that, you know, as in not a lot. Once once they've been freed, the film becomes about how they reintegrate themselves into their family. And there's not a lot of narrative drive, not as much as you have in the first half of the movie, which is that you know, where it's all about getting free and and what are the steps we're going to take to do that. There's not a lot of where are we going to go from here kind of thing. It's more just about the little moments and trying to reintegrate yourself. And I can kind of agree with that, but then it's done so well. And it's, again, you know, like we talked last week about The Revenant, um, the best moments in The Revenant are about small, you know, like uh, Hugh Glass, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, trying to find, navigate the small problems he has in life. The best things in this movie are about Jack, the young boy, trying to figure out how the world works after he's been through this incredibly traumatic experience. And And not even the world, like the small things we're talking about, like stairs. He doesn't know what stairs are or how to walk up or down stairs because he's never fucking done it. And he hasn't, he's never talked to another adult other than his mother. So, so when he's, when he's confronted with his grandmother before he, he talks through his mother to his grandmother. Mm -hmm. Um, and and then the amazing thing is is that we you know one thing that you forget about is that Brie Larson's character uh, Ma you know as she's called in the film is is a victim as well and she's played basically the protector of Jack the entire way through but we realize when we go back to you know when she gets taken back to her home that she was seventeen years old when she was kidnapped and so she has lost seven years of her life and she's still a girl and. Mm-hmm. And what I really liked about it was how strong she basically turned herself into a, I mean, bona fide superhero protecting this kid for as long as she a did. mother. I a mean, mother, having yeah. had a kid recently, yeah. you realize every woman that has a child is 100%. a superhero. So, so the, it's interesting. Cause then once, once it's not a life or death situation, protecting her child, she's, I think you see this sort of in your character. She's able to then process not process, but actually start going through the motions of feeling the emotion of the the entirety of the the the, the severity of what's actually happened to her. Yeah, and it's and it's you know because like, for the last five of those seven years she's not she's just put it in the back and yeah. like just just made sure she was okay so the kid was okay. We see hints of her like going through depressed you know like depressive states where she um he, she uh, Jack calls them in the room when they're still in the ro- in mm. room. He calls them gone days. Yeah, where she just sleeps. Where she just the sleeps the entire day. Yeah, and and you know who wouldn't? Um, and uh, she she basically has moments like that when she comes out, and it's it's just there. There's one moment in this film, like again, as a new parent, um, this movie hit me very hard. Thank you, Steve. Um, but there was one moment 
in this film that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I, I, you know, I was crying when I heard it and it made me reconsider everything I'd been thinking about. So a little backstory, just had a baby. I've said it a million times already. Um, Wait, but did you have a baby though? <laughs> oh, I didn't have the baby. <laughs> like I watched as the baby was just born. Clarifying, just yeah, clarifying. And you know, and, and I'm not the one having to feed it all the time, but anyway, um, the, the, we, we talk, you know, like my wife and I talk a little bit about like what we want our kid to be like, you know, like, cause at this point, you know, like he's only like 10 weeks old. He doesn't have much of a personality. He's just got things he needs, you know, like milk and changing and sleeping. Um, and so we're, we're, we're thinking, we're starting to think about what personality he might have. And, you know, we talk a lot about what what do we want this kid to be like? You know, we want him to be ambitious. We want him to be smart. We want him to be um, uh, thoughtful. And, you know, like when it comes down to it, one of the most important things I want is for him to be kind. Because I think empathy is an important trait that we don't think about a lot and can have a lot of ramifications. But what what I mean by kind is, is to have genuine empathy, which is to think through other people's feelings uh, and how his actions might affect other people or how he can help other people or how, you know, like I, I really, I think that's just an important character trait that I really want to instill in some point. And there's a line in this film that completely shattered everything I'd been thinking about because that the way I've described what, what I've just told you is a very optimistic view of the world. I was going to tear it down in a second, but let's see if the film did it for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very optimistic view of the world and it's a very, you know, like, and I, and I'm aware right away that there is a, there's a barrier to being complete, like, there's a difference between being kind and a different and being naive. And we don't want, you know, like I've never wanted him to be naive, but there's a line in this film. And I, I don't know if you're think you, the line hits you like it hit me where, do you know the line I'm talking about? No, not yet. The line is, is when it's after one of these depressive states that Brie Larson's character has. And she, and she wakes up and she basically wants to pick a fight with anybody. And she's trying to get uh, Jack to, to play with Lego and suddenly her mother, you know, uh, Jack's grandmother comes along saying, you're being too forceful. You need to, you know, you need to back off. And of course, and I immediately, like I knew that she wasn't going to respond well to that because it's like, I've looked after this kid for the last five years. He is my, my problem. Everything I know how to look after this kid. And, and, and they get into an argument and she says this one line she says, well, maybe if you hadn't to told me to be so kind, I wouldn't have helped the, str the strangers. Uh, I wouldn't have tried to help the stranger with a sick dog, which is how she got kidnapped. She basically was duped into helping uh, old Nick, you know, who right. had a fake dog. And that line hit me like a ton of bricks because she basically, you know, it's a, it's a game that kids play with their parents, but it's this, you know, she's basically blaming her mother for instilling, for instilling too much kindness in her. And that's what caused her to get kidnapped. Uh, you know, she was too naive. And when I heard that line, I suddenly like everything I'd been thinking about, you know, with my son, you know, and like raising him to be kind and empathetic, you know, suddenly was like, if the flip side of that is raising them to be naive and unaware of people's duplicity. Um, and I, and I suddenly was just, I say, I was in this spiral of like, how do I, raise him to be aware of people's duplicity, but not afraid of it, you know, like able to like navigate the world where you realize people are out to harm you, but you should still not be afraid. 
And and that moment just no, I can totally see that. You know. Um, so coming from again, I I hey listeners, uh, I know you've heard me say this, but I don't have a kid. Yeah. Um, but coming from uh oh, let's get a little personal. Let's do it. Uh, so I was raised. Uh, I'm a I'm a only child, and I think my parents did. Uh, a very good job raising me. I mean, this sounds weird, but I like me. I think I'm an okay person. I obviously have faults, as I've probably demonstrated on the show. Uh, but one thing, um, I I I am incredibly glad my parents instilled in me, and also actually kind of from this line that she says in the movie about, well, maybe if you had hadn't taught me to be so, you know, whatever is is kind of a hindrance. Is I find in my own personal life. Uh, again, not to the extreme of getting kidnapped per se, because my parents also sort of instilled in me this, like, you know, this truth about people, but like, you know, believe the best in people, but also be smart. <laughs> um, and as far as empathy is concerned, I think empathy is a great trait, but also you can take it too far when I, I was reading a study about this too. Uh, m- the more empathetic someone is, uh, a lot of times in in monetary or even sort of social successfulness, you you uh, in a weird way, you're you're less successful, the more empathetic you are. And it's because and I can kind of relate to this. This is something that I've been dealing with psychologically um, in my in my life for quite a while. I tend to take a lot of time um almost too long. Like you should obviously, if you have a problem in your life and it's an important problem, you need to kind of go through it and you need to think about it and whatever. And I try to think about it a lot, but I also try to think about it from every person's or things that has feelings angle in the entirety of the situation. And then I tend to not be able to make a decision because I am so caught up with how everyone will feel when that's not the best thing for whatever I'm doing. Right. So I, the, the point that I'm trying to make is, uh, Empathy is great to a point. I think, and again, this is, hey, Shahir, here's some parent advice from somebody who doesn't have a kid. Uh, I think I think the best way to deal with a child and something that she kind of does in this film in, in a, a couple of varying ways, I mean, at, at once once they're out of the of the of the room or out of room, um, is you want to have a dash of all of this shit. Like it can't just yeah. be like be a hundred percent kind. Yeah. I don't know. No, and I know you that's not what you're saying, but like uh, I just think I just think um, you know if there's one thing honestly if there's one thing I think would raise the the best sort of kid is when it comes to important things a hundred percent honesty, right? But I even mean, that could be that can be problematic as well. There, I don't think it can. Well, there I mean there are a number of um, like one of the studies we've been reading about is about the the capacity for dupl- for lying is an important developmental growth attack developmental milestone for a kid, you know, like being up for a kid to be able to lie to you is actually really important because it shows them using a part of their brain. Yeah. Um, that is, that is very effective. And I, you know, like, so, so I'm me, not talking about honesty from their perspective, by the way. Right. I'm yeah. talking about you being honest with your kid. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the kid being honest with you, if that makes any sense. Right. I mean, look, the theory of, you know, theories of parenting sure. are, are All vast and about place. and and it's amazing. You know, I think the 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 testament to the power of this movie is that it gets you asking that question. Of course, you know, like what is the, wh- you know, what is the best thing she could have done for this kid? And and there is a brutal moment in this movie later on where um, uh, Brie Larson's character basically has to go on a TV uh, interview 
uh, about about uh, what happened to her. And it's a ter- you know like when when the interviewer asked this question, I was like, "You are the worst human being well, on the so, face so of this, this planet." Yeah. But but the question was, why didn't you get? Why didn't you give up the child? Why didn't you get old Nick to like drop him in a hospital or, you know, like just get rid of the child so that it could have a better life? And, and, you know, Brie Larson's response is, well, what are you talking about? That's my kid. I would never give up my kid, you know, and you realize the, you know, the difficulty that happened is that the, 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 the thing that's so rich in this scenario is that her character needs that kid and that kid needs her. Yeah. And it's, it's this, this symbiotic relationship that is so profound. And the thing that, that becomes difficult when they leave the room is they no longer need each other as much because they're protect, you know, they're protected by the people around them now. Sure. And, and I, you know, like one of the <laughs> by things, society's normal rules. Yeah. By society's normal rules. And I, and you know, we're going to get personal again here, but I can see, how how empowering it is to have your baby be completely dependent on you i can see how like it changes everything you know like every decision you make becomes about the baby and it's like you're empowered by that because it's like i have this important mission in life now to look after this kid sure. to to raise this kid as as well as i can and when and i can see what happens when I, you know, like, I don't know how I'm going to respond to this, how my wife's going to respond to this, but, or how any human sure. being responds yeah. to this. But as you get older, or as the child gets older, they start needing you less, which disempowers you. And it's a, ter- you know, like, it's a weird feeling. It's a shift in, like, all that power that you once had. Well, I think <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons in the film that, that Brie Larson's character, and, you know, I'm just going to call her Envy Adams from here on out, because yeah. that's who I remember her as in Scott Pilgrim. Oh, right. Um, yeah, yeah. When Envy Adams finally has this interview with this woman who that was a weird turning point for the film. And actually, if there's one stumbling point, I, I mean, the film needed at that point, at that two thirds through the movie point, a, a push forward in a weird way. Yeah. I think that is was a very heavy handed push. And if I had any criticism about the movie, I feel like that moment in particular was not handled well. I don't know if it was the actress playing the reporter or how the script was written, but it was just very like, I didn't mind the moment so much as uh, I think it was a fine moment and you can work that into your script however you want. There was just something about it that felt too like, come on, huh? 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 Like getting punched in the face after such a nuanced film. Like all of a sudden this is the punch in your face moment. I felt like it could have been worked massaged in the way the rest of the movie does all of this hard shit. Yeah. Much cleaner and, and, and better and taken me out of it less. Yeah. Um, but so then at that point, it's kind of the culmination of, well, now that the world exists, mm. she's no longer needed. Therefore, her, all of her strength is kind of not necessary at this point, other than for her own well-being. And as it goes further and further, I mean, it's kind of a at this point, like you said, an allegory almost for um, a that, child getting older. Yeah, that time um, when the child gets older and no longer needs you anymore. Yeah. So uh, and then eventually in the film, uh, she after this interview and after the you know questioning, it, she begins to question her entire existence. This existence of seven years locked in a fucking room. Uh, she tries to kill herself in a yeah. weird way. Uh, and uh, not in a weird way. Not she a weird swallows, way. She, swallows it, a lot of pills. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they and they rescue her and she she gets better. And there's a whole thing about you know throughout there about Jack throughout. But the the it, it's it's kind of like if her mission was to protect this kid and that's what kept her sane 
yeah. was protecting this kid, and now she no longer has to protect this kid. Now all these questions. Now she has to start questioning her entire existence based <laughs> on this this capture for seven years. Yeah, that's gonna drive you to go to some dark fucking places. Uh, if 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 uh, one among many things that are gonna drive you to dark places. Yeah. So so it it all it all makes narrative and human sense. And um, I you know like my my so I have a couple of criticisms. You know like and these are minor criticisms. So before we go any further, you know, and, and I said it before when we were in spoil uh, non spoiler territory as well. This is a remarkable, heartbreaking movie that is w- very much worth anybody's time. Um, and also incredibly clever. Let's not mm, mm, sort of, mm, I know we we're talking about the emotional impact mm, of this stuff, but the entire way this film is done mm, and the way the script is written is some of the most clever writing. I think yeah. you'll experience at, at the movies these days. It mm. doesn't ever hold your hand, mm. uh, but it also, but it's incredibly gentle, but it, yeah, but it, <laughs> it, it, it gives you these lofty, it makes you think about lofty human emotional situations, responses and, and states without making you realize you're thinking about them. Yeah. And that is something as a as a teaching tool and sort of teaching sort of how emotions sort of work and how you feel them. That's something that you don't get a lot. Like mm-hmm. normally it's all heavy-handed and you kind of get taken out of it like, "Oh, that's bullshit or they're being too whatever." This There's is a couple very- of bullshit moments in this movie. Like, okay, well you can get into that, but I'm just saying overall, I think it does a very good job at what it's trying to do. It, yeah, and and yeah, it's excellent um, you know, um without Further, it, you know, as I say, it probably would have made my top 10 list very high on my top 10 list um, alongside The Gift, which was my number one from last year. So now that we said all the things we like it, let's tear it to shit. <laughs> let's tear it apart. Um, I mean, I, I felt the the scene where um, he where Jack runs away and, and meets uh, a, 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 another human being for the first time was handled in such a it's such an odd way, you know, like the. The because because everything about that scene reads like a dad who's ha- who's having difficulty with a problematic with a problem child, but the but the the guy that he runs into sort of immediately seems to sense that something is wrong and like hangs around in the weirdest way like oh is that note for me you know like it was he, kind of yeah mm, the, the writing of mm, it is very and i don't know if it's that was aw- a, it, it works but it's awkward it, i think it's awkward but mm, i i would i would think when i watched it and again i that mm, felt out of place to me but i also think that it was meant to feel it's not a I, deal breaker no no, no but <laughs> i think the film i think that was a legitimate choice not just we got this bad adr mm. person to do this shit re- yeah. read it poorly I think it's supposed to feel stilted. It's supposed mm. to feel weird. Mm. It's supposed to feel a little not not quite the correct human interaction because that's exactly what he would be what Jack would be experiencing. He's only mm. had human he's mm. had real human interactions with his mother. Yeah. This is the first interaction with a non And he's he's almost catatonic like he doesn't yeah, yeah, know yeah, how yeah. to speak, but, you know. But like it's and it's all very simple stuff the straight's mm. like, "Hey, is this Oh, you're excuse Oh, okay. Hello, little girl. Yeah. Oh, hey. Hey, is that note for me? What's going on here? Yeah. Like it's very like it's like peanuts womp 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 womp. And I think that was a very deliberate move. I don't know if it if it worked the, yeah. as as the filmmaker was trying to intend it to, but I think I I can't see that being a mistake. It's yeah, it's not it's not uh it's not fumbled. It's kind of the choice that they made, but it isn't it's an odd choice and it feels a little just to me it feels awkward. Sure. And then, you know, it kind of leads into the scene with uh, Jack and a police officer that is, you know, we talked about last week about conveniences. Yes. This is this is one of those narrative slightly too convenient because the thing that was going in my brain, but again, you know, like the effectiveness of this whole sequence is so is so good that that even though this was happening, the thing that was going in my brain was like, 
was like, oh my God, this cop has got to figure this out as quickly as possible because because Nick is going back to the house to kill the mother. That's what you I know, thought too. You know, like, so, so as much as like, I wanted this, what happened, happened, you know, and it, as much as it kind of, I'm about to describe it as kind of like convenient, I did want it to happen because I was so concerned about what was happening on the other side of this equation. Um, but a cop basically figures out exactly where Brie Larson is, uh, where the, where the room is based off of like, uh, uh, a description that Jack gives very just sort of incidentally that, oh, there were three stops and I had to wait till the third well, stop. It was nice, but like mm. that, it's funny you brought mm. the coincidence. Mm. I thought you were going to bring up something else. Mm. I, the coincidence of the cop coming right mm. as the dog walker guy saw the whole thing going mm. down. I thought that was too coincidency, but sure. I thought there would be, there'd been like a little bit of a time delay because I think the, the dog walker had called the cop and then there'd been like oh, a I time. Know. I, I thought there'd been like some time in a life. Because, because the reason, the, mm. and it was very clever mm. police work. In fact, mm. it didn't bother me, the police work that they did. So the, the, he stumbles through and Jack says three stops. Yeah. So there's three stop signs between where they were and mm. where he came from. Okay, mm. that limits your radius. Plus the cops saw, a, or, or maybe the dog walker reported a red truck. Okay, yeah. so there's a red truck. No, no, Jack, it's, it all makes sense. And Jack mm. said that there was a skylight where he was being held. Yeah. So then they just had to literally go to Google Earth in mm. that, that area, look mm. for where a, a red truck is in a place where a shed has a skylight, and mm. you can call it a day. Yeah, but that, that's kind of like Sherlock Holmes detective work for like, for like beat cops that pick up this, you know, like, are like, you, are you saying lady cops can't be like Sherlock Holmes? You hear? Uh, I'm saying like Sherlock Holmes. And like, uh, when was the last time you saw Sherlock Holmes on the, in, in your local cop who came and picked you up for a local? You don't know. Um, so, so it felt a little like contrived, but again, I was, I was on board. Sure. And then, and then here's a, this is an odd criticism that I'm going to have of the film, um, which is that not enough umlauts in the director's name. Uh, I wish there was. A, well, actually, uh, am I? No, that, not that, enough. Yeah, not that enough might actually umlauts. be true because because the the writer I'm going to compare him to is Asghar Fahadi, the the Iranian writer who I who I talked about uh, last time, who's uh, who wrote a film, A Separation. Now, the reason I want to mention A Separation and um, and uh, his other film, The Past, is that he's the kind of writer who takes a scenario like this and mines it in every possible direction. And, and I was kind of, when we got to the second half of this film, it kind of becomes a one track film about, about healing and that's fine. And it's done beautifully and it's handled really well. But I was, I guess part of me, and this is like, this is not an appropriate critical response, you know, like as an audience member, this is a response of if I was producing the film or if I was involved okay. in the writing of the film sure. and what I'm about to propose is not practical in any way, shape or form. But I was kind of like going, sitting there asking a lot of questions about what happens to a woman when she comes back into society like this. How does she get a job? What does she do for money? What happens if like the uh, old Nick decides to file for paternity of the kid? Like what, ha you know, like how does all of this work? And like, and I felt like there was so much, rich material to be mind you because the, the scenario was so potent and it reminded me like the other film I kept on thinking about was um, Liliani Cavani's film uh, The Night Porter which is about uh, a woman who uh, survives a holocaust camp and comes back to Auschwitz to fall in love she, she fell in love with her captor and I, and I didn't think I'm not suggesting that this film should go down that road but what I'm saying is that film basically took like 
something horrific and tried to explore another side of it. And I, and I feel like this film doesn't do that. And which is why I kind of think about the New York times review being, you know, about it being just a therapy film at the end. Now that's not a problem because it does it so well and it is so good. But I just, I kind of wondered like, there's a million directions you can take this the second half and you can explore so much. Like well, those particular directions you just laid out about getting a job or whatever. And if Nick filed for paternity or like any of that shit sounds a so boring or B just insane. No, I, I see. I think you're wrong there because I think the, the writing is so good that they could find the trauma. And, and here's the thing well, is that here, here's my, my point about the, that is that this feels like a film that has two acts and they're very good to acts one and two are excellent. I just kind of wondered what could be a third act for this film. Well, I feel like all of those things you're describing, mm. I've seen done competently mm. before. Have and you seen a film where a file, where a kidnapper tries to file paternity? Well, no, sure, but that would ne- that would never. Not, I mean, not that movies have to have things that happen fucking happen, but like you, that's insane. Because yeah, he'd file for paternity and then go straight to fucking jail. There are weirder things that have happened, and like there are weirder, much weirder stories that have happened. Like you don't only have to look at like. Um, Netflix making a murder to, to, to find weirder things in life happening. Yeah, but that's something that's so fucking... You want to talk about contrived and almost... That would even come off as like... Uh, not, not writer's convenience. It, it might, like, you, you're right. It might very well like derail the film into... That just feels a, so dumb to me. <laughs> No, let's not be mean here. No, 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 no. But no, but like if if I'm not saying the idea of thinking about that is dumb. I'm saying if a filmmaker was to make a film like that or do I think there's nothing. I mean, I can fucking straight up tell you now yeah, we could have great characters and interesting conversations or whatever, but that's fucking dumb. Like if the kidnapper of seven years comes back and files paternity for the I, I'm kid not, they father. I'm not saying that the kidnapper would like get paternity, but I'm saying like what happens when Brie Larson is forced to have to confront that person again? Like what well, happened? That could be in court. We've seen that a million times. Like it, I just think that would be that's interesting to me. But, and I and I think but and it, like, and like the we've, fa- here's we've the seen thing. it. We've seen it before. This but, is a thing about sort of healing that I've never seen done this well before. And right. I'm glad and, they and, stay on it. And I'm glad they stay on it. And I think it's a great act one and act two. I kind of wondered if there could be an act three to this film. Now again, I'm saying this with a kind of with an overarching this is the act one and two of this are excellent. And they're, you know, like maybe you could try writing this and it would be terrible. And they, and you could, you'd go back to what you had here, but it was just kind of an exploration, you know, an exploration game, because there was a moment later on in the film where they were talking about how, where Jack's talking about uh, now that we don't live in room anymore, we've decided that the, the, that we should try everything Mm -hmm. that we need to go live our lives. And I was like, well, how does that actually work? You know, like, because for example, in a case where like there's gross negligence of, um, of the state, for example, you could be a, a, a person like Brie Larson's character could be entitled to a cash settlement or payment in order to, to live her life. But she was kidnapped by another human being who probably doesn't have any money or anything like that. So, so she, the abuse that's done to her isn't, doesn't just extend past the, past the room. It extends after she leaves the room. Of course. She, and, and, and so the thing that I was, curious about was how does she integrate herself into life like can she get a job no i don't think she can but can we, she like but can, we've seen those again I, I have to go back to we've seen have we seen those movies not not in this exact situation but it's the same shit with <laughs> veterans it's the same shit with any of the stuff any sort of coming home after doing a, a thing either a long time hard with your will or against your will like coming back into society 
Yeah, it's going to be fucking hard to get a job. Yeah, money's going to be an issue. But yeah, but 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 they but in this movie they do a great job. They do a phenomenal mm-hmm. job, basically setting you up and telling the audience straight up, at, either visually or through the story, to be like, "This is not what this is about. This is all taken care of." She's back with her mother. She's going to live with her mother for however long it takes. Forever? Or whatever. Yeah. Look, but, I'm but, not saying I'm not saying what they do is bad, and I'm not saying what I'm suggesting is good. What I'm asking the question about is. Could this film, like, like to me, the film, blo- like, it is a beautiful example of a film that, like, has a, starts in one place and then blossoms and opens up. Sure. And I'm, what I'm, I guess what I'm asking is it blossoms up to an extent and to a point, which is about Jack and the mother re reconnecting with each other. And that's fine. It's a, it's a beautiful story. I just wonder, could this blossom even further? And, and the reason I mentioned Asghar Fahadi is that he is a writer that like takes like the stories he tells are so beautifully done. They're, they they go so far and they basically, it's that thing which, which he does so well, which is that he writes drama like action movies, which is that there's a continuing escalation and a continuing movement happening. And I, I felt like this film as brilliant as it is. And again, this is my one criticism is I wondered if it could move even further. Could it be like, this film is 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 doing very well for itself, but could it go even further? That's that was my question mark. I mean, for me, just on a personal note, uh, I think yeah, you can push anything further, and you could do it incredibly well if you wanted to. I mean, you could look at the film Boyhood, right? Yeah. Look at Boyhood, and that movie just goes and goes and goes <laughs> and goes and goes, and arguably, it it for all of its goings, it yeah. does it all very well. Um, I'm not a fan of Boyhood. I'm not either, but not because of what it, not because of what I'm watching moment to moment, but because it doesn't know when to shut the fuck up. Like it doesn't know when its own story is done. Yeah, but hold on, let me hold on, let me just finish my thought. So in that scenario, I wish it ended sooner. Here, I'm glad it ended where it where it ended because to use your flower, like I'll finish with your flower analogy, but Mm. it ended at the exact point that I felt that a I thought it was going to go mm. be where I think the, the, the story had the most poignancy and sort of meaning behind it. Cause then it's just going to eventually turn into, and to use your flower analogy, it did, it blossomed into something crazy, but in the life cycle of a flower, what's next after blossoming, it's going to wilt, it's going to wilt and die. Yeah. We've already had in this film, in the story, the dark times, yeah. I don't need it to go up and then end on a down note for, for me, for the story. And I don't think that's what they're trying to tell yeah. or, or else they would have. I think it's wonderful to see sort of a movie like this where it does have a finite ending. They know when to finish it to, to get across the best way possible, the points that they're trying to make. Could they do what you're describing? Sure. Personally, I'm very glad they didn't for the same reasons that I'm very glad they didn't make it about catching Nick. Yeah, no. And I think because the way you're describing it there is the is where the the blossoming of the flower goes beyond what the film is about. And I'm not, and I, I would be very hesitant to do, to take the film in another direction. I, I'm just suggesting that, that the second, you know, like I, there's a part of me that agrees with the New York times review, which is that the second half of the film becomes very, very straightforward, very one note. And I kind of know where it's going. And, and I'm, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I was going to ask you, did that, did that take away from your enjoyment of the movie? No, not at all. Okay. Then then mm, I, then mm, it just in my head mm, instantly mm, that review is kind of bullshit mm, because if you still enjoy it and you're still really liking the movie, then why are we being like, well, the movie could be this. No, no. Well, because, because 
it on the one hand it has it i feel like the movie has the capacity to, it's right now it's great i feel like the movie has the capacity to be amazing and and it's and it's it's a it's just a question mark i have and i and i would want to explore where you could go further with this story now they do a beautiful job at like ending this on a really poignant note basically Jack says, can we revisit the room? And mm -hmm. they do this amazing thing, which I've done in my life as well, which is like, um, I, I remember revisiting my old primary school. We yeah. call it primary yeah. school in New Zealand. And you suddenly, like, when you were there, you like, it looked so big and huge. And then you suddenly revisit it and it's small and it's strange. And it's, it, you really actually just did that this Christmas. I was, I was in a house from when I was one to five in a yeah. place called Tingsboro, Massachusetts. Yeah. And we went back cause we were going to a card game at my dad's friend's house yeah. and he lived right near there. And we drove by, I'm like, I haven't been back to the old Tingsboro house since we moved. I'm like, can you show it to me? And my dad drove me by it. It looked so different than yeah. my memory. It looked small and small, weird. weird, and it's not yours anymore. Yeah, and uh, that's and that's what happens in this film. Jack goes back to room. Yeah, and he and it's it's he just even a, says he says this isn't room anymore. Yeah, this isn't room anymore because room is about is where you and I live. Yeah, and now we live some, and now we and he says it's because the door opened. Actually, he yeah. says that in the movie. He's like, oh, because the door's open now, it's not room. Yeah, and she and she and it's because uh, I was like. You know, she says, "Do you want me to close it?" And I was like, "For the love of God, please don't close that door yeah. again." You know, and and he's like, "No, it's okay." Yeah, you know, and I was like, "Oh my God, that's so good." It's it's just it's, it, and like the this is an amazing film because it's it's about something so horrific, but it's surprisingly upbeat. And so you know, uh, we talked last week about the Revenant, and and we talked a little bit about how you have to be really in the mood for that film yes. because it's such a it's, it can feel like such a downer. This film, you know, like, if you pitched your friends to go see this movie, it's about a woman who's been kidnapped for seven years, breaking free and living her life again. That sounds like a downer kind of film, but it's not. This no. is a triumphant yeah. movie. It's about, like, it, it is, this movie leaves you so high at the end of it. That, you know, and that's kind of an amazing feat into itself, you know? Of course. I mean, uh, Revenant, uh, uh, Canadian mm. Batman Begins, is all about revenge. Yeah. And this movie is about the exact opposite. This movie is about moving forward. This movie is about not being consumed by the fucking terrors that happened to you previously in your life and moving forward. It's, and and I think it does a really, really, really good job at it. I mean, the, the you know, like, uh, we, we haven't reviewed it yet, but uh, another uh, uh, reader uh, mentioned that they'd gone to see, uh, Stephen Price. Uh, fan of the show who's uh, written into us had told us that they'd just gone to see Spotlight recently ah. and was really excited about Spotlight. Um, I can read you just a few lines. Uh, basically, um, uh, basically saying that uh, it took him back to the the days in the newsroom and it reminded him of the difference between daily news and investigative news. Uh, and you know, it was a great movie. And the the conversation that's been going around Spotlight is how underdirected it feels. It doesn't feel, you know, like, in a good way. Yeah, and and this I think I think Room does a similar thing, which is that its direction is never showy, but it's masterfully mm -hmm. directed. You yeah. know, like it's it's it, it Lenny Abramson puts the camera exactly where it needs to be at every moment. He cuts at the right moment. He deals with performances in the exact right way. Mm -hmm. It just never, you know, it's never showy. And The Revenant, for example, is a film that feels directed. Yeah, you know, like it feels it, super showy. Yeah, it feels very showy. But this is a film that feels. Like it, you never feel the hand of the director at any point, right. but it just, yeah. but, but every moment has more emotional impact than, sure. than anything in the Revenant. Sure. So it's just, it's a, it's a real testament to like, 
the power of good directing, which is that it Look, like great editing, it's almost invisible. I was going to say a lot of times in this business, mm. if you can't tell that your job was done, then mm. you did a fucking great job. And this person, and like it's you know it's a good lesson for me because I I know when I'm directing, I'm always like, oh, what's the let me. What's the one shot I can show that I can? How really... can I make this look like Shahir Dowd made it? Yeah, exactly. And it's like I ask myself that question every day. <laughs> yeah, Matt Crawls in the editing room. I'm like, what would Shahir? What do? would Shahir do? Yeah, WWSD. More umlauts. <laughs> um. Anyway, we're running out of time. Uh, final thought. Was one sentence because we've kind of just gone back and forth. What do you think? Um, sublime movie. I you know my criticism uh, is is not has nothing to do with the the movie at hand. It seems like your criticism is almost a compliment in the sense that it's curiosity. It's yeah, not, it's curiosity yeah. about where you could go further with the yeah. story. Um, so so please don't take it as a as a negative on the film as much as it's as a positive. Uh, you know, on the film uh, as a new parent, uh, Stephen. This was devastating, but thank you for for getting me to watch it because uh, it was a powerful experience. Please, Stephen, watch uh, Nobody Knows as a return favor. There you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I think I've said everything I want to say. It's a it's a brilliant movie. You should watch it. You should watch it. You should watch it. And uh, <laughs> you wicka wicka will watch it. Yeah, wicka wicka wow. And uh, I'm kind of psyched that Envy Adams might get an Oscar. I don't know. I'm just. She's been. I mean, look. She was in Short Term Twelve last year, which was pretty. You know, she she's been touted as the uh, as the new it girl, and she's also the lead singer of Clash at Demon Head. So let's not forget the important things. Of what? Cla- Never mind. Right. Oh, oh, that's a that's a Scott Pilgrim thing. I need to watch that movie again. Yeah, you need to actually pay attention to it because uh, it's wonderful. Uh anyway, this has been the only podcast about Room. Uh. And we didn't even talk. I'm proud of us. We didn't do more like we didn't do, do a fake, more like, more jokes about the, the room, room joke. And I think that's a testament to how good room is. We weren't like, all right, so Lisa is Tommy's boyfriend. But <laughs> then oh, Johnny or whoever the fuck, whatever. You're tearing me apart. Uh, we oh. only did one. Yeah, so um, it's the same one. Yeah. Uh, Sheer, where can people find you when you're not uh, being curious about films? Uh, I'm always curious about films at uh, com, which is S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Uh, we, Matt Kroll and I, have a Gmail account, which you can email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. We, you know, call out my bullshit ideas about curiosity, you know, how we could extend this film. Let us know other films you'd like us to see and talk about. Uh, we have a Twitter handle at OnlyMoviePod as well. And uh, if you can, please go to iTunes and give us a review. We, uh, as Matt always says, we like them five stars, but we'll take the one. I'll, I'll take the one. I'd love to. And we'll read them. We'll read your reviews on here. So, yeah, so, uh, so let that be a listen to you. If you say some shit, we're going to say it out loud. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, that might be a that might be a bonus. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you can find me at uh, MatthewKroll.com. That's M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com. Also, Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z on Instagram and Emperor MSK on Twitter. And yeah, this has been the only podcast about Room. And since we since we showed so little, I mean, sorry, so much restraint (laughs) uh, in our joking about this, the the movie Room and The Room, uh, the Tommy Wiseau. uh, We got to do that movie. uh, No, no. Yes, we We, have to do it. We can go see it. No, we have to talk about it.